Welcome to The Pen and the Yad. This is a special Shabbat Shuvah conversation with Rabbi Michael Siegel of Ancheyem at Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Eig. So do you think about sin very much? Is it a term that speaks to you directly or is it a kind of a conceptual idea that's out there somewhere but really doesn't enter into your sphere? Uh, no, I think it's a part of daily life. At least uh, it is for me, because if you're thinking about um, being a moral being and trying to be good, you have to think about the opposite end of that. And what is a sin and, and how many of them I, am I committing and what can I do about it? I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that in our universe, we seem to have kind of gone down this relative path in terms of sin, right? Lenny Bruce once had this routine call, instead of calling it the Ten Commandments, he would call them the Ten Suggestions. <laughs> right. And and so that kind of thinking also gets applied to sin. And so it's a very powerful idea. And since we are thinking about Yom Kippur, I thought it would be a great idea for us to kind of think about this in the Jewish sense and how to go about it. So when you think of sin, what comes to mind? Well, you mentioned the Ten Commandments that comes to mind. Um, you know, you think of the sort of the, the cliches to sin to tell a lie. You know, all the all the things that feel wrong to you, the things that your conscience speaks to you and says you're not supposed to do that, at least in the vaguest, in the most general sense, that's how I think of sin. That You know, we, we all commit sins. We all make mistakes. Um, but we, sh but I guess, you know, thinking about what you should be doing and trying to avoid them is the goal, right? I, th I think so. But what the way that you frame that really sort of caught my attention because it was how you felt about it, how you experienced it about your conscience. And at least from the Jewish perspective, we're not really looking at it through our lens. So we're not talking about an objective understanding of sin where we could sit and say, well, is that really, if someone's starving and steals a loaf of bread, is that a sin? Is that really stealing? And how do we look at it? What we do as Jews is we have a much more subjective standard, which we call the Torah. And on Yom Kippur, we really think about where we are with it, how we are about it, what we do with it, and where are we with this subjective standard. And in a sense, we're actually really standing before God. And as the Utana Tokaf prayer says, you know, that there's a book of deeds and everyone has signed it with their actions. And so it's a very real idea. I wonder how that strikes you, that this is that it's much more subjective than that. Oh, it's very powerful, especially, as you said, you know, when we come together once a year and we, we, we recite our sins as a group, as a community, we pound our chests and we confess to all of the sins. Some of them speak to you individually more than others, but acknowledging them as a group and saying, you know, these are the things that we have done wrong and trying to account for that is is really powerful experience, especially when you're in a room full of people and you're doing it together. There's no question, but, you know, it's I, I just have to say that in common parlance today, people will use terms like, are you judging me? Mm -hmm. Or that feels a little judgy, right? Right. And the Jewish tradition says, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so instead, you know, in our universe, when you use a phrase like that, it feels like you're judging me, or gosh, it sounds like you're being judgy. The, the implied idea is you have no right to judge. Who are you to judge? 
And I think that that's very much a part of our society, right? How do you, who put you in that position? But the Jewish tradition actually says that God is the ultimate judge. God has given us free will. And in fact, we do have to show our deeds to a higher power. And as you noted, both as individuals and as members of a larger community, we really do have to take responsibility on this day and also pledge to do differently, pledge to do better. Yeah, I want to I want to pick up on something you, you mentioned about being judgmental. I think, you know, we're living or judgy, as, as you put it, we're living in the judgiest time um maybe you know in world history if i can if i can you know be judgmental about that but you know it used to be that there were i think people had more privacy and um their their flaws were not so visibly exposed to the world and not even just for celebrities but anybody who's living part of their life online so much more of your conduct is exposed and so much of our privacy has been taken from us and that leads to a kind of judging um, on a public scale that is, you know, that is, I think, unprecedented. And I think it's it's really interesting to think about um, what you're saying, that it used to be feeling that you had a responsibility, you were going to be judged by God, and it was a private discussion, and, and you had some responsibility to acknowledge your own sins because, you know, so much of your life was, was private, and now we're being judged publicly more than ever. And I, I wonder if that dulls us to the importance of these sins uh, because we're, there's so much judging going on. Well, it's true that that social media has turned into kind of a um, a blood sport. Well, we, we sort of enjoy watching this elected official or this celebrity get skewered. And, so, and there's all kinds of phrases for that. You know, you see someone being charged with something. And the next thing you find yourself saying or hearing someone say is, well, he's toast, right? She's gone. Forget right. it, right? Because right. there's no coming or there's no coming back from that. And it's, so it's become part of our society. But it, it's also worthy of note that mm. privacy is actually a relatively new concept for human beings. For much of human history, there was very little or no privacy. You know, you hear the stories of Lincoln, you know, when he would travel, he would share a bed, right? Mm -hmm. And it could be with a total stranger. But, you know, the way that people live, they actually lived in the open. It's not like you had a private anything. And so in our world, we actually value our privacy and we can actually be private in ways that most people couldn't be. But what, what's happened is, is that social media has taken away part of that privacy from us because we're always exposed, where there's a camera somewhere watching you at all times. And so I think the difference is, is that we think we can judge from our private place, like we can, we can watch online and, or we can attack someone. This is kind of a new idea, but I want to kind of bring it back to this public kind of this, it's not a public shaming, but it's a public acknowledgement that we are part of something larger and that none of us, none of us pass the purity test. All of us are part of a group that does a lot of things right, but we also do things wrong. And I think one of the most powerful aspects of Yom Kippur is that we stand together and we offer this litany of sins. Ashamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu. And First of all, the suffix is plural, uh, it's a, right? So we do this, 
we abuse, we betray, we are cruel, we destroy, we embitter, we falsify, we gossip, we hate, we insult, we jeer, we kill, we lie, we mock, and on it goes. We pervert, we steal, we, tra we are unkind. Now, you know, Jonathan, I've known you for, uh, it's a great privilege, to, and I've known you for a number of years now. I'm pretty confident you haven't killed anybody this past year. I'm pretty confident of that, too. And I, and I don't think you're a violent person, and I don't think that you're an extremist. Um, and yet here you are, whether you're going to be at home or be with us uh, in the synagogue, you're going to be pounding your chest along with everybody else. And you're going to say, just as I'm going to say, we neglect, we insult. And I think that that's actually the point. The point is, is that you might not have done it, but there's someone in the Jewish community who has. You may not have acted zealously for bad causes, but there are plenty of people who have. And suddenly, we're not, ju we're not just looking at ourselves, you know, in our private little place, but we're seeing how we are part of something larger and how our actions impact other people and how they impact us. This isn't me saying, well, in that particular case, this is why I did what I did. I know it wasn't the best thing, but you gotta understand on the standard of Jewish law and tradition, you have missed the mark. You haven't done the right thing and you need to acknowledge it. And we are acknowledging it and we are looking at each other and saying, you know what, we're sort of in this together. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful notion, and that's one of the great things about that particular prayer is that it reminds us that we have a responsibility for these actions that maybe we can sleep at night by telling ourselves that we're not the ones causing global warming or we're not the ones responsible for um, you know, violence in Afghanistan, but we are all part of this community and we have all contributed to the decisions that have led to these consequences. We are part of the same universe. And there are connections that we have to take responsibility for. Right. There's this great story that the rabbis tell that, um, you know, there was a wooden galley and they're kind of out to sea and a guy takes out a hand drill and he starts drilling under his seat. And the person next to him, you know, understandably gets a little bit agitated and says, what are you doing? He said, well, this is my seat. This is my drill and I'm drilling underneath my seat. Right. And the, and the message of the rabbis is pretty clear. If we don't pay attention to other people, then we're missing the point. My actions affect everyone else's actions, right? They impact other people. That's a concept that I don't think we always understand. We are part and parcel of a people, and we're not just getting judged as individuals on this day, but we're also getting judged as a people in the national or world kind of peoplehood notion. And so what I do affects other people. And I think that's sort of a welcome idea in our world. And I think it's, it's not something we think about an awful lot, how we impact other people. On a world level, ecologically, global warming and everything else, all the stuff applies in a very real way. Absolutely. And, you know, we try to preserve our sanity sometimes by not thinking too broadly and by saying, well, you know, I'm vaccinated, everybody in my community is vaccinated, so I can sleep at night. But we still have a responsibility for the people who are out there who are, you know, 
outside our bubbles. And as the pandemic certainly helps remind us, we are all connected and we're all sharing these experiences, whether we want to or not. And you can fool yourself and try to say that you're not a part of that, um, but it that might come back to bite you. I just take out the word might. It will come back to bite you in, in all kinds of ways. So I think at the end of the day, there are two larger ideas that we're underscoring here. One is something that you were just talking about, which is that by acknowledging what we've done right and what we've done wrong, we're also acknowledging our responsibility to ourselves, but also to the person sitting next to you, the person who you might not know, but who may be impacted in some way by your actions. So there's a way of not only taking responsibility for yourself, but it's also taking larger responsibility for the impact on the larger community. And I think the second idea that's coming through is the fact is that we're all human. And the Jewish tradition understands that we're all human and we're going to make mistakes. But here I would make a distinction between Judaism and Christianity. Judaism does not label people sinners. In other words, we're not rotten to the core, or this is just, you know, this is a bad apple. Well, that's not a Jewish concept. There are people who are really horrible. That's not the question. But no one is irredeemable. That's the larger idea. Because if we were irredeemable, if we couldn't actually get past this, if we couldn't improve our ways, if we couldn't make tshuva, then there would be no point in going through this exercise every year with the machsor and standing as a community, right? Absolutely. We can address the sin, but, that, but without labeling ourselves as sinners or the person next to you. Right, that's Gandhi uh, said, hate the sin, love the sinner. Right, and Judaism says, yeah, hate the sin, but let the sinner improve, mm -hmm. right? Let the sinner improve, and let's not judge a person as being irredeemable. So with that in mind, I just want to wish you and your family and all of our listeners a Gemar Chatimatova, that we should all be inscribed in the Book of Life and blessing for the good. And um, let's have a better year. Thank you.